Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And here it is, the 3rd of May, the first of five possible shows for the month. Possible, but not definite. Yeah. What did you do for um, May Day? Was it exciting in your household? I did a show. I did the uh, the uh, No Agenda show. Which I did hear uh, anecdotally that there's something going on there. About what? Somebody said you're moving the time. Oh, yeah, we're moving to 11. From 12? No, no. 12 Eastern time. Uh, Eastern time is moving to two. Both days or just one day? Both days. Wow. That's something. What, what is that about? Uh, Adam got sick and tired of getting up at 5 a.m. every show day because <laughs> he does his prep or something. I don't know why he doesn't do it the day before, but he doesn't like to. I used to do it in the morning, too. I gave up. Uh, but he gets up at 5 to do it. And so he uh, found this to be... Um, You'd really get up at seven, I guess. People are going to have to, you know, your listeners are going to obviously have to get used to this whole thing. I mean, they're going to have to come, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be arriving early. Well, you know, these guys are pretty attentive and we've been talking about this for a while. So I, I doubt if too many people are going to uh, come too early. And, you know, it's only like, I think we have about 3,000 people max that ever come into the troll room, as we call it. And, um, you know, everyone knows it's a podcast. Is it what time it doesn't make a lot of difference the way I see it, what time you do it. Yep, that's true. That's true. Just well, download it. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I do this. This is 9 o'clock p.m. on a Tuesday night for me. Yeah. So yeah, I don't get home until 1030. Yeah. 1030. Because we have. Uh, but it, time to go to bed normally. 1130, 12. Yeah. So you have plenty of time. Yep. Let's do a bit of a warm-up because a lot of things are happening right now that's pretty unbelievable, actually. We have records breaking. We have, and I don't mean like phonographs. We have the Fed coming out. We have all sorts of really fun things happening in the next few days. So the roundup, the warm-up, well, there's a secret. The fact is it's not the first time rates are up in the world. Markets are getting a little crazy thinking like this is the only time this ever happened. Oh, my God. Oh my it's God. not? No, it's oh, my God. The rates are going up. It is the first time, though, this is what the interesting thing is. This is the first time that rates are going up in many people's investment lifetime. Yes. For millennials, uh, some ex-geners, most millennials, if not all, and everybody who's a Zoomer, for sure. Yeah. What's the next generation going to be after that? Uh COVID's vids, right. the vid, the vid generation. Somebody's got to coin it pretty soon because it's coming up. The vitters. The bitters? The vitters or the panties. The panties? The panties, like the pandemic generation. Oh, no. I think panties would be better. The booster generation? The, bo <laughs> the boost, the vax generation. Yeah, yeah the vaxxers. Um, so this is going on right now where rates are going up considerably because the Fed is going to raise rates. And everybody out there is kind of like, oh, my God. It's like people are running around with their hair on fire, freaking out. Oh, my God. What does this mean? And the book playbook says that you don't fight the Fed. And when rates go up, things go down really bad. That's true and not true to a degree. 
Yeah, it's really a myth. Well, I mean, we, we do see usually when the Fed is being this aggressive, which has happened only a few times, the economy slows down, which it has. We'll talk about that as well. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. There's a bit of a reality check going to happen tomorrow when we have the Fed having their their interest rate decision meeting and their follow-up presser. As they call the presser. You're going to call it the presser. And uh, that's at 2 o'clock is uh, the time tomorrow, p.m. Eastern time, that Jerome Powell will, and his team will be releasing the actual rate. And then what we have from there is a 2.30 press conference where he tries to undo whatever particular damage <laughs> they did with the announcement. <laughs> yeah. So, And one of the things that we've seen recently that's really fascinating is these 1,000-point days. Remember, who was that? Thousand points of light. Who was that? That was, was that Bush? It was Bush. I think it was Bush. Yeah, Maybe thousand it was points of Bush light. Bush one, Bush yeah. HW. Um, and uh, we've had thousand point days in the market, 500 point turnarounds like yesterday. And intraday, if you count the moves from top to bottom, ridiculous. It seems to be the norm as we are seeing a VIX above 30, which is a big concern. The VIX being at that level. And uh, what we have right now is a, uh, uh, it looks like a constant sell bias that nobody leaves that we can ever again have a bull market, just like we could never again have a bear market just last month. It wasn't possible. Yeah. You know, listening to these guys, it's t tiresome. It is. They need to just, we talked about this. They need to just shut their mouth. And what they need to do is they just can't go because back they're getting their paid by the word, uh, by the by the letter and by the word. Yeah, and we have some some earning news to talk about. So um, mixed bag, Amazon crash, worst day ever in terms of total losses for Amazon. Facebook, what a great return there. Facebook rallied. Uh, that was pretty intense, where they had a giant move to the upside. A lot of people were. Counting Facebook out, thinking that, uh, well, they're done. But that's Yeah, well, really I wasn't happen. one of them. Yeah, the big issue with Facebook, we could talk about this a little bit, is that their earnings came in okay. It wasn't gangbusters by any reason to think about the that, that wow, that was an incredible differential. What it was, though, was a significant amount of change for the company where they are going to be spending less on some of their um, expenditures, you know, for development. $3 billion less, and that really helped out to appease some of the people that thought, think that they were spending way too much on a variety of different... Junk. Yeah, junk. That that who knows how long it's going to be for profitability. Yeah, I would include the Oculus operation myself, personally. They're not going to stop that. There's no way they're going to stop that. No, I know they're not going to. I'm just saying I would include that myself if it was up to me. I'd throw that into the pot. And I like it. I like the people behind it. I like everything about it, but I don't think it's going to, you know, it, I don't mix really mixed feelings about it. Do you, do you have mixed feelings about the whole virtual reality metaverse? Yeah, I do. Oh. Mainly from an from a, from a optical perspective. It's not good for your eyes to be wearing those things for hours on end. Uh, it's... It's just dis disorienting. 
uh, I just, the whole thing to me is just silly. And I, I think wearing them and look and seeing somebody wearing them, I think it looks dumb. It does look dumb. I told you I have one in my office. We play ping pong and golf on it every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it is this giant thing that's on your head. It does look and feel strange, you know, but what about if it didn't look bad, if it didn't, if it wasn't a problem for your eyes and what, what, what if it was none of those, would it be something that would have a worthwhile utility? I think as a training device, maybe. Or remote for simulations, remote. you know, like for what? Sorry. Remote, remote, remote surgeries. I think that would work. And I also think it's good for like learning how to fly. Uh, learning how to drive if you're a kid. Mm-hmm. I think it might come in handy. Um, I think there's a lot of possibilities for it, but, but they're trying to sell it as some sort of just a immersive, you know, crazy game device, gaming device, using the theory that, oh, everything starts as a game. Um, well, a lot of things did. I mean, a lot of things came well, out. They start as ideas. Name, name two. No, I'm, I'm, as ideas. You know, you had, uh, for example, hi, uh, hyper, hyper, oh, I'm having a problem here. The, the tunnel, the hyper, Hyperloop, hi- Hyperloop. What about it? And, and what about the train? What about what about all the stuff that on Star Trek that actually came true? Like what? Well, the transporter's not there yet, and these <laughs> that seems to be their main gimmick. <laughs> That's not there yet, and the thing that makes food out of waste. Yeah, that doesn't it doesn't, doesn't happen. That's not there. But what about the the, the flip phone? What about the flip phone? Well, there was a flip phone on Star Trek. It was a communicator, it was called, by yeah. the way. Let's get yeah. that straight. And what about the universal translator? We have that with Google now. Well, I don't know. It works as well. I'll give, I mean, the flip phone, it was in science fiction long before that. So there's not anything they invented as far as I can tell. And I would say the, uh, all this really heavy duty stuff like the food product, food maker and the, uh, the zapper and all the rest of these things and the type of weaponry they have, none of it. Right. Yeah, the the only thing that came, and even the computer kind of computer they had back in the day is not the way we use computers today. Working, working. We they, don't have that. They had cool lights. It all those lights that would just flash. No, I, I think the stories were good. Yeah. All right. Moving along here. This is definitely going to be, yes. I want to make an announcement. I want to make this very clear. This is a fed engineered recession. We will go into a recession, and if we do, it will be the fault of the Fed and all of the, 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 uh, what would it be? Fear mongering that they have been doing recently. It is all what they are doing. This is the worst year and the start of a year since, I don't know, in April? April was awful. This is the worst year since 2008 beginning. Now, it's pretty bad. But what's interesting is it doesn't feel bad, right? I mean, 2008 felt bad, didn't it? I mean, everything was like just collapsing. It was like slow motion collapsing everywhere. Yeah, but that was a different situation, I think. It's because that was the, the the failure to pay, you know, to get these letters of credit to work and the banks were having issues. And, mm-hmm. and then the housing thing was a fiasco. 
They gave everybody a free house pretty much. And then the bundling of the mortgages, that wasn't a, you know, that was a classic scam that the big boys kind of, they built those things and then they stayed away from them. You know, Goldman Sachs, hello. And, uh, and then the credit default swap thing comes into play. Nobody knew about that idea. And some guys got, you know, became billionaires overnight. Uh, yeah, it's a lot different. It's a lot different and people aren't losing their jobs. And it's not like you're, you know, back then they were saying, well, what's the difference between a recession and a depression? A recession is when your neighbor loses a job. Yeah, right. A depression is when you lose your job. Yeah. It's much different right now. Yeah, and I still see the uh, box cars go by, not box cars, but those container cars. A lot of there them. There was one just, just before the show sh uh, started. A big whopper train went by with about 100 of them. Huh. 100 so cars, that means two on each. So it's like 200 containers. And I every morning there's a big thing with three engines in front and two in the middle. That's how big these trains are. But the, but the difference is that markets are getting hit right now. And in advance of maybe something, people are still working. Jobs are plentiful. Money is still flowing. Nobody has, well, not nobody. There's, there's a lot of people that have an over lever, are, are over leveraged in, in their houses. and but But everything is still relatively flowing. You know, you have to wonder, can we have another financial crash this soon after the last one, which was in 2020? Don't we need a few years to separate it? Yeah, you can't have them bang, bang, bang. Now, they did have a, the closest example of bad crashes was the 23 panic followed by the 29 crash. That was six years. Yeah, that was quick. That was close and that was bad and bad. Yeah, the 23 panic was really bad and the 29 crash was really, really bad. Yeah, the 2000s, we had what? We had 2000, we had 2000, 2002 was really ugly. And then we had 2008. Yeah, that was probably about a six-year gap because 2002 is when I think it was still bad. Yeah, it was just, just starting to come out. Yeah, and then it happened six years later, you have it again. Then you had uh, six years, I don't know, maybe a six-year thing going on here. So here's my because uh, if you take. go to six years after 20, 20, 2008 is twenty fourteen, and six years after it was twenty twenty, right? So well, six, that means the next one should be twenty twenty six, right? So we could bide our time a little bit and stop freaking out no, so much. It should be a bull market, yeah, and it may be. Here's what I think the Fed should do. You want to hear what I think they should do? I'm listening. So I think they should raise rates by fifty basis points tomorrow, which is built in. It's it's already. All but done if they just follow the lead of what the expectations are in the Fed Fund's futures market. And it's 50 basis points, a slight potential chance for a 75 basis point move. But the reality is it's probably not going to happen. So 50 basis points is what's baked in the cake right now. So. Is that the word on the street? Yeah. Yeah. 50 basis points. So, so, that, so far, so good. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. However, this is where I differ. Right now, the current interest rate based on the Fed funds rates is 0.25% to 0.5%. Now, do you have any idea what the hell that means? Who gets 0.5? Who gets 0.65? Who gets 0.75? Who gets some, you know, who gets what? Why is it a range? Well, that's a question they say I your, sure can't answer. Your mortgage, John, is 1.25% to 1.6%. Yeah. I mean, it's the stupidest thing ever. So 
when you look at that, I think what they should do is instead of doing that range with a 50 basis point move on the upside, they should say we're going to do a 50 basis point move and 75 basis point is the number. Because this way, you appease a lot of different angles. You appease the people that thought maybe we shouldn't raise as much and appease the people where we are raising by 50 basis points. We should stress that inflation is a high alert item, but that they're watching other items and how they may impact the economy so that people aren't freaking out until the next meeting thinking they just keep on raising no matter what. They should tamp down hard line, uh, the, the hard line of touch. They should kind of just slow the roll a little bit, but continue to note that inflation is a concern and blend it with their economic concerns and risk is to the upside for the market slightly right now. Um, and this would help. Risk is to the upside for markets if, in fact, we get a Fed that comes out that isn't just absolutely blasting things, saying they're going to stop, do all this. And they're not only going to slow their bond purchases, which they did, and cut them off, which they did, but they're going to reverse and start letting them roll off at $95 billion per month, which will take a lot of time to get them down. But they should continue, I think, right now, with all that's going on, this will be one of the first times in history, John, that we go into a massive rate increase where there's a war raging on, where places in the world are slowing, where we have a negative GDP. Do you know we had a negative GDP print last week? No. Negative 1.4%. Huh. So it seems that why we have this, here, I was talking to a lot of clients over the last couple of days. Let me ask you something, John C. Dvorak. Answer me this. Do you think Batman. if the Fed raises 1%, just 1%, right? That will allow for the bird flu to be cured, saving the culling of chickens, that will allow for chicken prices to go lower? Or is that just stupid? The, the well, idea that the Fed if, could... If you, good. Good. Well, I mean, if you can explain how that works. I can't. That's the, my point. The point is that the Fed has no control over the price of grain in the Ukraine due to the fact that Russia is invaded. And now calling the Jewish leader anti-Semitic and a Nazi, which I don't even understand at all. <laughs> so so what we have here is um, a situation where the Fed is is being charged with reducing down the inflation rate on areas that they have no ability to control because what's happening is that a lot of the pricing is either uh, supply-driven, not necessarily demand, or outright something totally outside the range of what it, what they can do. And they're being looked at as the the white knight to, 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 to somehow engineer a soft landing, quote unquote, soft landing, meaning not a recession, in a time where they're already at a negative 1.4% GDP number before they even start making some significant moves. Well, what you just said they're not going to do. Uh, they're going to do a 0.5 and that's going to be about it. And yeah, see what happens. Right, exactly. Let, let, it, let it all rain. Let it all go. On to the chicken discussion. Free range, no more. No, I didn't know this. Do you know what free range means? Yeah, it means they keep the chickens in a movable giant house and they move the house a little bit. Well, free range it allows them to uh, move around. Yeah, Supposedly, but if you look into it, it's like 
the house they're not roaming around that much. Organic and free range chickens have been thrown into lockdown. Yeah. Egg laying hens that normally have access to the outdoors can no longer roam as freely as a field. The sun on their beaks as some U.S. and European farmers temporarily keep flocks inside due to lethal outbreaks of bird flu, according to the egg producers and industry representatives. Free range seems to be a great thing. Tell me something. Why am I paying that much more for free range? Anything. Well, the reason is supposedly it's healthier and tastier. Really? Sounds made up. Uh, well, I've had different chickens that I think taste different. And uh, some are free range, some are not. Some are this, some are that. I mean, you got to, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't like chicken. So let's start with that premise. I mean, you're going to tell me that you, you could tell those that are walking along uh, maybe a dirt road versus those that are in a beautiful grassy area as well? If you cook, if you know what you're doing with your cooking skills, you can't, I don't think, I think you can easily not tell the difference. Yeah, you could make certain steaks that are crap, taste like, you know, really good ones, but I don't know. Something about it is a little bit weird. The the the, the paying for it. Now, one of the other things is that, so what's happening here is the U.S. outbreak is the second worst in history. Did you know that? 35 no. million birds were wiped out this year. 35 million. Yeah, it's too many. That's, that's an amazing amount of birds that, that were killed. No wonder why yeah. prices are as much as France has called nearly 16 million birds. And uh, Britain, Italy, and, and Spain. Which includes, in their case, a lot of, a lot of nice, tasty ducks. G- gone. So we thought it was bad here, right? These guys are on lockdown, and it's terrible. Oh, yeah, it's a mess over in France. So we've had a bunch of earnings come on. Uh, we have uh, some very fascinating earnings. You know the company called Chegg? Yeah, I know the guy who runs the Chegg. Well, you should console him. The online educator company, education company, which does books and textbooks and digital, all that, soars, shares plummet. This is actually a really interesting story. The, the shares dropped 39% today. Yeah. It cut its revenue outlook, saying current economic conditions, listen to this, this is fascinating, are prompting consumers to prioritize earning over learning. Hey, like that for a catchphrase. Well, let's start off with the premise. What does Chegg do? Chegg started out as a used book online operation uh-huh. for college kids. All right. So instead of paying $45, $55 for a book, you would pay $25, let us say. With someone else's so this, highlighting. So, yeah. Well, even <laughs> that's sometimes a benefit, right. to be honest about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Especially if the guy was smart. Uh but then, of course, the professors, you know, they, everyone gets a piece of the action. So they start changing the way they, no, no, the book's been the new revised version. You can't buy a used version because there is no used version. Mm. Or the professors have gone to a lot of these publishing companies, publishing houses, and do what's called custom publishing, where the professor pretty much takes, it takes a license for some one of these, like a history book, let's say, and then adds his own chapters and adds some other stuff and puts it, puts his own textbook together. And every year it changes. Well, no, no, go go further, go further with that. And there's a requirement to buy that book that the, the professor makes money from. Absolutely. That is the biggest scam next to, uh, I would say title insurance ever. 
I would say is the next big universe in terms of education is the second biggest scam to the tuition scam. Uh-huh. So uh, Chegg made all kinds of zigs and zags because they were getting kind of, they had a good idea, but it wasn't going to scale as much as they'd like. And so they try, I don't even know what they're up to now, but I know the CEO and uh, very smart guy. Well, he's going to still be the CEO after this. Yeah, after that's right. We don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I thought the big thing about earning over learning was pretty fascinating. Earning over learning. So for the longest time, it was you went to school, you went to undergrad, you got your grad, who knows where you went from there, and then you go out and get some kind of decent job. And now all of a sudden they're talking about prioritizing earning over learning, which is really interesting. Get out of you know, get out of school early. Don't stay as long. Don't go. Don't go. Right. That's because this hasn't proven to be a benefit. You have to pay a fortune to go because of the scam, the tuition scam, plus the book scam, plus the other scams. When you go to the schools, the schools are very irresponsible about all this. And then they, they just go spend most of the time brainwashing you about left-wing politics. They're with the goal from almost all the universities, especially the big ones out here, the goal of the university is not to educate you, but to turn you into a person who votes Democrat. That's pretty much, you pay money for that, by the way. Wow. And, and so the, it's so people have picked up on this. They're going, wait a minute, you know, it's million things. I mean, Bill Gates never got a degree. You know, they'll do something, say Michael something Dell, like that. Michael Dell, yeah, huh? Michael Dell, same thing. There's all these guys. And uh, so they don't, and they had somebody like Peter uh, uh, Thiel, the guy who was uh, famous. And he was giving, uh, in fact, I knew one of these women. Uh, he was giving people $100,000 not to go to school. Remember this? Yeah, the Teal scholarships. Yeah. You take the 100000 you can't go to school and get a job. And she took the 100000 and uh, worked for Hillary Clinton State Department for a couple of years. And then decided to, after she spent the 100000 she decided to go to school after the fact. It, it, it's a mess. It's all a giant scam. Let's let, let, let's be honest, you know. And you got to know how to weave and work your way through, and it's through all of the scamishness. You got to more earnings. Facebook Meta, which I'm calling a Facebook. I don't care. Stock rallied hard after soothing investors' worst fears. Um, Lyft out tonight. You know, Lyft. Yeah, yeah, the mustachioed Lyft. Lyft the earnings were okay. What's the mustachio? What is that? Is it the symbol? Remember the mustache. No. What? What do you mean? Lift the lift mustache? L-Y-F-T? Yeah. Moves. You don't remember the mustache? When Lyft first started out, their cars oh, the were car. identified yes, 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 yes. by a big pink mustache. Yeah, I see pictures of it now. That's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, Lyft came out with their earnings tonight. Uh, earnings were actually okay, and things looked all right. However, in the conference call, they revealed a big spend that plans to invest more in driver supply to improve service levels and other business initiatives, stock down 30% after hours tonight. Holy moly. Yep. I think Uber is down 6.5% on um, in sympathy. And they also, um, we saw that Starbucks came out with a good report, making a big investment in, uh, in, in, in their company as well, because they want to be able to catch up to unmet demand. But what they did was pulled their guidance because they have no visibility due to China lockdowns. Interesting. AMD had a big quarter announced yeah, this evening. Service crazy. business picked up and reports. This is in contrast to what's going on at Intel. Intel wasn't very good at all. 
and um, the service business, server business picked up significantly and cloud-related, et cetera. Good outlook relative Intel, supply. Intel's a mess. Intel just can't get their shit together. Just can't. So AMD is also- lot, okay. Anyway, I have my thoughts on Intel, but none of it's positive. Um, you know, you would think that the new CEO that came in to clean up would have done a little cleaning up already. But this reminds you, this almost reminds you of a, of a GE story that they just can't clean it up. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, now, she, boy, there you go. Uh-oh. I never thought Uh-oh. of that one, but let's equate Intel with GE. That should be something that makes somebody, somebody some investors quiver. When these companies get so big and they start investing and buying and then rolling in and become a conglomerate of some sort, even if it's a conglomerate of the same type of product versus GE had a diverse portfolio of products, right? You know, and also to between insurance and jet engines and energy related. I mean, that did everything. Alarm clocks. Yeah, and refrigerators. Uh, but it, when you start getting companies that do that, you have to wonder because- can they actually manage all of this at once? I mean, it's different a Berkshire Hathaway. Each of the individual companies manage themselves. Yeah, Berkshire. Yeah, Berkshire Hathaway does it right. And let everybody. But you do have it. to find people that are good. That you have to find. It's hard. That the the difficulty there is you've got to find somebody that wants to come under your umbrella, and they still want to stay there. And then they want to still want to manage the thing. And then you have, you can cut them loose and let them just do their own thing. And you just give them all the support you can. Mm -hmm. That's it's hard for both sides to do that. It's hard for the, you know, ownership side to do it, the new owners. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for the people that were bought out to do it. It's just very difficult. It's astonishing. They do so well. Mm. Don't you think? I agree. I agree because you just can't be watching all this is the problem when you have split CEOs, like we had with Jack Dorsey, on uh, was it Block or Square and uh, Twitter? It just you can't do it. That's why the big concern about Elon Musk is right now, where he's going to be potentially in a situation where, um, you know, he, he he's taking on this Twitter issue. Which, by the way, tonight he's already talking about. He's after it goes public, uh, private, he's going to try to rule it out as a public company again in three years. Of course, that's what you do. That's what Dell did. But he but he didn't even get to the point of getting this thing done yet. I know he's already, he's a little ahead, ahead of, what's it called? Ahead of your skis or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, he's, he's right. He's ahead of the skis. Exactly. All right. Crypto ATM. I saw this picture. I thought I'd share it with you. There's a crypto ATM in, in, uh, in Asia. It's a Bitcoin and various coins. But look at that. You notice something on that picture of that Bitcoin ATM machine? Elon Musk and, and some, some dog. Yeah. Dogecoin. So they put him next to the Shiba Inu, which is the Dogecoin joke that he is for some reason thinks is very funny. He, 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 he. We're going to say 420 and we're going to go after this Dogecoin and make it something. He, he. So uh, this, but what they're doing is the advertising. Uh, okay. Well, how do you, how do you make this machine work? Oh, up top, you put the card in and you scan it and this, let's see what they have. They have Bitcoin. They have, it looks like, yeah, but what card? Bitcoin Cash. Is there a Tether? Bitcoin card? No, you probably use your. Well, I've seen these. I've seen these in action. What happens is you 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 use a regular dollar card, you know, like an ATM card, and you buy Bitcoin. And I don't know what you do. Maybe you have a Bitcoin card that you move it to. You 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 swap it out. 
But the price is if Bitcoin's trading at thirty four thousand, you're like buying it at thirty six thousand. Oh, it's insane. Well, hell, it one sale for the machine to get pays for the machine. It's ins- the prices are insane, and then they charge you other fees and all that. It's just, why would you do such a thing? Like, who needs to do a Bitcoin refill? Like, what what are you spending the money on? <laughs> so ridiculous. Hey, you're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah, I want to talk to you about media though. You know about media. And, the, and, and, and and this collapse that we're seeing. So there's a company called Vice Media, you know Vice? Yeah. So the digital media company, once valued at $5.7 billion, has hired, has hired bankers to seek a sale. Yeah. Paramount, Paramount Plus sales fall look terrible. Disney Plus, what is going on there? Netflix numbers in reverse. What's going on? I mean, is it, is it people are saturated? I'm not absolutely sure, but I think a lot of it was, uh, well, I think most of it, I, I, this is just my thinking. I think the content that's available is poorly marketed, poorly promoted, and some of it just sucks. And it's just like they started making, the, they started doing these things, you know, it, this little, uh, it's just started making content left and right and then burying it here and there and hoping people find it. I don't, it's just, I don't think there's good stuff on it. Never except for live basketball. I mean, I think that there's some good value. In fact, as you notice, by the way, you notice that Amazon and, and these other guys are, they, they're so hard up now that I think Amazon picked up Thursday night football. They're going to roll it out live. I never understood this. It seems like football and all those things should, they're, they're the domain of the, Public TV, not not not. I don't mean NPR or anything like that. But you know, no, I know. Open I, TV. I, I'm in total agreement with you. That's it. Was it's, it's it should be on network television. That's all. I don't understand. Yeah. This this you know is too much. It's 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 this unbelievable thirst for just this all out. Uh, just the money, the money grab. You know, the money. There's advertisers with money going to give us. Let's just do this no matter how much it sucks. Let's just <laughs> do it anyway. It I think the public's getting... Also, if we're in a slight recessionary moment, people are going to look at their cable bills and say, wait, wait, I got cable, I got YouTube TV, I got Paramount Plus, I got... What is this? What, why am I paying extra for HBO yeah. or Hulu? Sure. And the Hulu with that. I mean, it could, it's got to be a lot of money for some people that really want to get plugged in. I, I canceled... Two services over the last week. Not because of recession, but because I said, you know what? what I, I, I asked that question. Maybe subliminally there was something about what's going on in the world. I don't know. But I, I canceled two subscriptions. I talked to my wife. I said, listen, listen what, what, do you, what do we need this for? You know, like Netflix, I don't mind because I do. What did you cancel? Uh, I canceled Paramount Plus and my side of Disney Plus. So you got you dumped Paramount Plus and Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Well, Paramount Plus, I've not. I, if you go there, they have half 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 of their offerings. The good stuff seems to be free. Yes. So why do I want to pay? Well, you could, because if you pay the higher price, you don't have to watch commercials if you're going to binge. Well, I was watching some movie they had. It was free. Oh, yeah. And I was watching it. It didn't have any commercials or anything. It wasn't interrupted. I don't know what the deal was. Wait, was that movie exclusive to Paramount Plus? Because a lot of times you could find those movies just on HBO or wherever else. 
That's I thought it was exclusive, but yeah. I could be wrong. All right. I might be wrong. I don't know. All right. All right. And then I know there's a lot of scattered stuff, like certain TV shows and stuff are here. They're there. Um, they're all over the place. I don't know. Mm. Let's talk about uh, analysts, or as we're calling them in this section, the analysts. Yes, them. Analysts. The analysts with their heads so far up their ass. So the analysts are all worried about a bubble. This one in particular we're going to talk about is talking about a huge collapse potential. He said there's probably a lot more downside to go. So Dan Suzuki, who's also a former Bank of America, Maryland market strategist, says information technology, communication services, and consumer's discretionary alone make up about half of the market cap of the S&P 500. Okay. He says this is all a lot of problems, yet he's staying invested. <laughs> she was bailing out going all cash then i'd pay take him more seriously yeah. to weather the potential crash he says he's taking a barbell approach you know you use these fun words you know you use these kind of words we're using a uh we reduced our equity positioning to an underweight for example that's what they say right we're underweight u.s equities right now that means that they still fully invested maybe a couple percent difference it sounds like they're underweight right sounds good he says, we're using a barbell approach. On one end, he likes stocks which typically benefit in an inflationary environment, particularly energy, materials, and financials. Of course, he leads well, with that. to the game for that, don't you think? I mean, those things are still doing pretty well, but yeah, I mean, um, and he says he, he likes, he lists defensive stocks, which include consumer staples on the other side. So the other side of what? what? So there's no technology here? He has no technology at all? Come on. That's dumb. You can't be... I mean, you're better off for it right now, but come on. Stupid. Uh, if I had a, uh, I, what are those called? The uh, In the Roman days when a person of uh, valor or an important person would come up and it would be announced and you have those long horns and you know what I'm talking about? Those, those long. I have no idea. This sounds Viking to me. Yeah, what are those long horns? They're called horns. They usually have the flags attached to them. A didgeridoo. A, oh, a didgeridoo. I see. If you like Vikings, I would highly recommend, although it's long and a lot of it, on Netflix, The Last Kingdom. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people like that. So here series. comes the stimulus. Here we go. Here we go. The stimulus we got. China is relaxing. They're triple R, meaning that they're going to allow for uh, higher re uh, reserve ratios, meaning that they're going to push money into the economy. Japan is holding down bond yields and unlimited monetary expansion. And this is as China's factory activity contracted at a steeper pace in April. The official PMI, which under 15 beats contraction, went to 47 from 49. Uh, Italy... Says it's unveiling a new stimulus package <laughs> worth up to seven billion, and here we are. So, is U.S. stimulus next? I know that sounds ridiculous, far fetched, and like, oh, no, what horror? Which? What are you smoking? What are you smoking? Consumer confidence is in the, in the toilet. Yeah. U.S. manufacturing has slowed in April to fifty-five. Not terrible. Factory orders up two percent, but not at all where we need to be. GDP is negative 1.4% for the quarter, declines in fixed investment, defense spending, and record trade imbalance weight on growth. Consumer expenditures rose 2.7%, but came in amid a 7.8% increase in prices. In other words, 
You, you got to net those out, right? Yeah, yeah. Negative 7%. Or well, 5%, never 5%. Yeah, 5. Negative 5%. Five and the one. big the big blame on on what's happening with uh with regard to the GP, GDP was that we saw a drop in inventories. So a lot of inventories were were, you know, if you look in the you open the doors of the uh, facility. There's a lot of the inventory is low. Yeah, it's empty. So what happens is that, that takes down. This is the stupidest calculation ever. It takes down a component number within the calculation for GDP. Ah. Uh. So it's only when they rebuild the inventories that it increases, not when they take them down. But taking down inventories usually means that they're actually going out the door, being used and spent. Increasing inventories has nothing to do with the reality of what's actually being utilized. That could be a no, false. It could be just stocking up, just filling up your pipe. Right. And nobody buying it. Yeah, but it is good for the fact that you have people working and in the factories doing their thing. So there's something to be said about that. But still, it's just, it's weird. So I don't know. Do you think that we are actually, is it possible, possible that, we're going to have this half a percent rate and then the Fed's going to back off dramatically and even talk about down the road, the next move after this will be down versus up. Well, that's an interesting theory that I'm not subscribing to. <laughs> well, it's far-fetched and far-flung. But I think that uh -huh. we are closer to, I, I know this sounds crazy, to a Fed that's going to be much more, well, not accommodated, but they're going to be more... Uh, they're going to lay off the hawkish discussion. That's my bet. May not be exactly this quarter or this month, but next month. If well, things, I like the idea of them going up the, the, the five points and then uh, shutting up. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I think or, so. or bitch, no, they can't shut up completely because they just can't. So they'll just bitch about inflation. Yep, just bitch about it. Yeah. Don't anything. Sounds about right. So we still have some supply chain issues. Chicken, of course, massive problem. Last week we discussed palm oil, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about the pine marl ban. I looked into this a little bit further. Like, who's using palm oil? What is it used for? One of the, the biggest the users. Data chip manufacturing, yes, for one. Yes, you're correct. You're correct. And particularly in Asia. One of the mm -hmm. biggest uses in uh, Asia is in Korea for my one of my all-time favorite foods in the whole world, Korean fried chicken. Have you ever had that? Oh. Heavenly. Well, the way you're describing it, I'm guessing I haven't. Heavenly. Double fried, crispy, just mmm. And they put some sauce on it. I, I will tell you, in Korea, uh, what's a really what 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 food in the United States would you identify as like, ah, you know what? In the United States of America, they love that. What what would that be? Bulgogi. Oh, come on. In America. Well, they eat beef a lot, and they eat uh, what is oh kimchi. Everybody eats kimchi. Where I'm talking about in America, not in Korea. What is no the here they eat kimchi. At least around here they do. I always have a big bottle of it. Uh, uh, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, maybe a hamburger, maybe a McDonald's, something like that. I mean, it's big. There, it is Korean fried chicken. They don't call it Korean fried chicken there either. It's called fried chicken. Uh, you know, I'm going to attract this. I may have had it. I've been to Korea two or three times, I think three. So good. And uh, You're in California. They're everywhere. Got to be. 
All right, hang on a second. I'm guessing there's probably a couple of run. I'm guessing I've also had it, but I'm also guessing that my dislike of chicken will continue. That's a problem. Whether or not this fried chicken's any good. So let's see here. Do you know where? Uh, do you know where McDowell Boulevard is? McDowell. Yeah. Not McDonald. No, McDowell. Put it. No, it doesn't ring a bell. In Petaluma. Wait, wait, wait. wait. It's not Petaluma. You're not in Petaluma. It's an hour from here. Oh, in San Fran. You might as well take it. I could get to the moon faster. San Francisco. San Francisco's. Is there anything in like Ten. Oakland, Berkeley, El Cerrito? You know those kind of areas. Berkeley. All right. What do we got? Ben Sean Berkeley on Berkeley Way. Delicious. Ben Sean. B. Oh, Bon Is that a Jewish artist, Ben Sean? Maybe. But uh, I think Bonchon, Bonchon, actually, I was look. I personally looked into this franchise. There's Bop Shop on Solano. There's Co-Stop on Durant. Okay, what? Give me the Solano one. That I can drive. I can 1823. Walk and what's the name of it? Bop Shop. Bop Shop? Yep. Okay, I'll go there and get the fried chicken. Yeah, it gets uh, 79 five stars, four and a half stars. The best Korean fried chicken, Banchan Berkeley is the best one. Uh, sauce is, uh, okay, so, oh, yeah, you get that and leave and let me know. I want to report back. Yeah, I want to report back. Bop Shop, eh. Reason why the garlic fried chicken was so soggy, I'd rather have Popeyes. They didn't like that one, though. Well, maybe it's from the sounds of it, I should go to the one in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll make sure to do this within the next okay, two weeks. thank you. Uh, what else do we have here? Ark, Kathy Wood update. Kathy Wood up. We have a Kathy Wood update. 52-week low on ARKK, down 70% from the high. Still <laughs> thinks that the stock market in stocks inside of our portfolio will take up uh, maybe up about 100,000% over the next few years. Big uh, bet on Teladoc last week. Stock was down 40% after earnings, second largest holding in her portfolio, after already a 70% drop over the last year. What does Teladoc do? If you need a doctor and you want to do a remote doctor experience, Teladoc. Oh, then, why don't they just use Zoom? Uh, it, well, it's, it's actually interesting. It, well, it's a franchise of Teladoc. So you can go to Teladoc and say, I want an appointment with a doctor. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like going into the office. I don't want to leave my house. It was a big thing because people weren't going to leave their house, especially during covid you got to see a doctor. How are you going to see a doctor? And they obviously have the infrastructure for whether it's prescribing or taking care of things and utilizing technology to enhance the doctor-patient experience. Yeah. I had two or three doctor's appointments during the pandemic, and they were over the, over the thing. Over the TV, over the... What's it called? That thing, the, the, the internet thing, yeah. The computer, you yeah, know uh, yeah, the, Oh, about. yeah. The box, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's actually easier. You don't have to get out of bed. You know, you have, well, you have to still wear a shirt, but you don't have to get in your car and drive over there and wait in the waiting room and the rest of it. It's better. Yeah, but if you need something like an orthopedist to, to understand where your break is or where you have to, maybe you need an no, x-ray. If you have a broken arm, I don't think you're going to be able to set it yourself. Maybe and you, can't, you, could. you can't diagnose it either. You need an x-ray. How are you going to do that? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just talking about average normal stuff. Yeah. So we talked about, let's see, the pandemic a little bit. We talked about the chicken flu. That was bad. Now, what about this other one? This other outbreak? Have you been tracking this on No Agenda? 
which I have to get this straight because I usually, about this moment, I say, no agenda each Thursday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Is that right? 2 p.m. Yeah, I think that's will be that will be right. 2 p.m. Eastern time. Have you been talking about this laboratory? Laboratory tests have uh, pinpointed the equine virus suspected of triggering an outbreak of a respiratory illness that has killed at least ninety-five captive wild horses in less than a week in a federal corral in Colorado. Nope. Results of the polymerase PCR. How do you say it? Poly polymerase. I don't know. Polymerase PCR tests. Uh, from two leading U.S. veterinary diagnostic labs detected the equine influenza virus in nasal and lung tissue samples. Man, you got to have a long Q-tip. Uh, from several horses, the U.S. Uh, U.S. land management said, the virus strain in equine influenza designated subtype H3N8 is not uncommon in both wild and domestic horses, but is unrelated to the outbreak of highly contagious bird flu striking wild birds and poultry across the United States in recent days. They're trying to kill us. Whoever's <laughs> Whoever dreaming up these things. They're doing a good job. They're getting there. They're getting there. They're inching closer. Well, and, and you saw that. Uh, so the latest from Bill Gates. Oh, brother. Next is going to be worse. Yeah, there's the that book he just came out of the book. I think it just hit today, and it's uh, it's just getting blasted left and right. The Twitter saga continues. Musk is now looking for more outside money to fund the transaction, which I don't know what that means. Twitter came out with something today that they splashed on my screen called Twitter Circles, where you can group tweet up to 150 people. Now, oh. Huh. And then I, I put that, oh, you can find the picture. This is what showed up on my screen. Do you want to share with a smaller crowd? Why the hell would they do this? If the engagement is the basis of how they can generate more ads and all that, why would they go into smaller crowds? It makes no. It makes zero sense. And why only 150? It's not even easy to add your people in there because it's not clear what they have related it's not to get the people in your group. It's not easy. And then putting people in, putting people out. And my, what, what if I, 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 it's like direct messaging a giant group is what it is. And isn't well, it that might be handy if you're in a company and everyone uses Twitter and you want to use it to message your team. They call that Slack. <laughs> right. Yeah. But Slack costs money, doesn't it? Yes, you can call it Microsoft Teams. That's free. Okay. Stupid. What if you like Twitter so much that you want to do it on Twitter? I, th- I think it's okay for a small company that's got like 150 people or, or 25 people in a, in a little group. Why would you want to have it for, uns- it's unsecure. It could be then copied and pasted outside the range into Twitter. Compliance okay. nightmare. I, the whole thing's Convincing bad. me otherwise. Yeah, well. Robinhood laying off 9% of their staff. Hmm. Munger on Robinhood said, God is getting just. This weekend at the, uh, at the Buffy. Munger's quite uh, the character. <laughs> he's a great character. At the uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Hathaway uh, gathering this weekend, first time in a couple of years, Munger said, Robinhood has a dis- 
a disgusting business model that includes kickbacks from companies in the process of selling order flow. It's unraveling. God is getting just. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say they were like the cock fighters of the investment world. So. Well, definitely. He's one of the more colorful guys in the business. Oh, I have to great. Say. Great. He's like 90-something years old, too. He's sharp as a tack. I mean, no, the, the old the, the Buffett is like 90. This guy's, oh, I got to hand it down to a younger man. Yeah. <laughs> the Munger's like 83. <laughs> I got to talk about, now this is where I need you to put your thinking cap on, because I think I must have done something wrong here. Because there was a story out uh, today or yesterday that really burned my britches. Mm. It was a discussion about Boeing. It came out with earnings. And one of the things they did was they blamed the out-of-control costs of the Air Force One, the new two planes, the Trump. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, out-of-control out of, out of, out of costs. Cost overruns. $1.1 billion in costs related to the deal with Trump to modify two 747 jumbo jets to serve as Air Force One. So, first of all. You got to have a budget when you do this, right? We think they have a budget. You, I mean, we can't disagree with that, and right? They, they know how to use the budget. They, they know what they're doing. They've done this once or twice before, right? Yeah, I would think. So now they have two 747s. They know the price keg on that. They know what it is. They know what they got to do. They've done it before. They, and somehow they are over by $1.1 billion on two planes. Yeah, it's $600 million per. I don't get it. They already knew what the planes cost themselves. So now we're talking about excessive costs above the excessive costs. That well, they lost I guess the money. they were used to whoever did the deal was used to working with the president's people to develop one of these. And the last guy who did one was Reagan to develop these big jets and then screw the government and the taxpayers for cost overruns and Trump obviously spotted that coming down Broadway and put in a proviso saying all cost overruns are the responsibility of Boeing period and Boeing signed off on it. So what are they bitching about? Well, all I can tell you is I want to talk about what kind of money this is. There's a little chart I did just, I was scribbling around in Excel. I threw out some numbers and I think my numbers are ridiculous. This is what I, I looked at. I said, you know what, if we're at these overruns right now, what could make up $1.1 billion? So I said, let's assume we had a thousand. This is all, this is all excess. This, this is all overrides, overruns, right? We have a thousand employees working on two planes. I don't know. Is that even possible? Thousand people working on two planes. That they get $100 per hour per person. Which is, let's assume they're all going to work 60 hours a week too. And their annual salary for each of these is 312000 So far, so good, right? That's We got a good amount of people. We got a good amount of salary. We got a lot of work time being done. Somehow, we're still not done with these planes, and we have these overruns. The weekly payroll is $6 million. Now, we have this loss of $1.1 billion, right? Yeah. That's 183 weeks of payroll. 183 weeks of payroll. That's 183 weeks. So that makes it like uh, 15 what, years. Three and a half years. 15 years. Fif oh, yeah. Okay. 
183 weeks. 52 weeks in a year. So it's not that much. It's, it's, uh, seven years, eight years, 10 years, 11 years. Wait, wait, how many is it? I'm screwed. <laughs> wait a second. Let me just look at this. Oh, cause it's, it, I changed that number. That's what happened. So it's, it's 183. Divided by 52. 15. Oh, divided by 52. That's right. I did months. That's my problem. That's my problem. 3.5 years. So you have Some three. Sounds about the delay. <laughs> you have 3.5 years of massive income at, at numbers that are not even possible. It's probably more like five times that amount. Because if you if you think about this, there's not a thousand people at a hundred dollars an hour in in the overrun side. I'm talking about working sixty hours a week. So something Seems unlikely. Something's I, I think that is blaming this crap on something so they can get over on it. You know, parts. Yeah, parts. Part, yeah, parts. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, in this section, remember that Arch Ghost guy, the Arch Egos guy, this yeah. Wang. He was arrested on Wednesday morning along with uh, the chief financial officer, Patrick Halligan. He pled not guilty to 11 counts, of course, including racketeering, market manipulation, and fraud. He was uh, in his little turtleneck. He released on a $100 million bond. He's secured by uh, two properties and a $5 million in cash. His travel is restricted to the New York area, and he must attest to the court that he somehow lost his passport. And, you know, somewhere around he lost his passport. Crazy, right? So he still has his passport. Yep. So he's oh, going to sneak out. We Probably have in a violin case. I thought announcing a winner for the new CP. Announcing a new CP. Oh, the, oh, so oh, close to the pin is running right now. Uh, let's see if this comes up here. I don't know if it will. Oh yeah, well, uh, the average price is a uh, forty nine forty seven. Tim D is in the lead, about uh, forty six cents off. Matthew is a uh, 66 cents off. Keith N. Keith N. $1.63 off. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting stuff. So, uh, last thing I want to talk about here, if I may. Boris Becker. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Poor Boris Becker. Poor Boris Becker. Going to jail. Yeah. Becker was convicted earlier this month of charges uh, under the Insolvency Act, failing to disclose, et cetera, in 1999. Yeah, he was hiding money while, while in bankruptcy. Yeah, bad. Right, in 1999, he fought, this is the most fascinating part of the story. In 1999, he fathered a child with Russian model Angela Ermakova after a brief sexual encounter in London's Nobu restaurant. Now, that means... He's in a restaurant with some woman. Goes, what does he do? Goes to the bathroom and has sex and gets her pregnant? I don't know that they have bedrooms upstairs at Nobu. Mm. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Remarkable. Just remarkable. Well, he's in trouble now. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk. 
along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz, a company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discussed in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. You want to just go through these real quickly since we're running out of time? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't have it open. Um, I was looking at something. Let me uh, just take one second. Okay, so we have, according to this, we still have the 100 percenters still sitting there, and so is Medtronic. Uh, we got some red coming up. We got some stuff kicked off. Amazon, uh, I think you were buying Amazon. Yeah. Are you buying it? Yeah, I bought Amazon before the earnings. It just, no, no good. Oh, yeah, you got kicked. Yeah. Uh, uh, Inozyme Pharma, which I believe is one of my picks, got some reason because it was a penny stock, got kicked. Mm -hmm. I think it's still, I think it's still a good buy. People should take a look at that. Um, Korea Fund is up, up a point and a half. Uh, Neo, my uh, Chinese car maker, which I still think is a good deal. Uh, it's up six percent. One quick, one quick pick. Yep. And I have one for this. Uh, Nvidia is. Yeah, I shorted, it went up, but it hasn't kicked me off. Netflix, I shorted, went up. I don't know how long this will last. You got one uh, that's about this it. week? Yeah, I do. I have, I want to do another, uh, something like Korea Fund. Mm -hmm. Only this time I'm going to go with Cuba, C-U-B-A. Ah, really? Really? Cuba is uh, a Latin uh, investment fund that did, invest in Latin America. Yeah, Thomas, and what's these, his name? You, you know, these, um, a Korea fund and this fund and these other, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, the overseas markets uh, being ripe for a uh, run-up and it hasn't happened for years. So I'm, I'm going into these two. I like the overseas markets a lot, actually. Um, let's see here. Let me just do this. All right. I have one pick. Crazy pick. Ready for this one? Yeah, I'm looking T at it. TLT. Yeah. And TLT is the long bond that is down, I think, I don't know, something like 20% year-to-date so far. 20, 20%. This is a very interesting idea. So the thing is that, you know, if in fact we are at the bottom of this range, maybe, if, 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 and if the Fed just chills out a little bit, they can, everybody's on the other side of this trade. Yes, Yes, but this is the side of the trade where if the bond market collapses, this makes out. If the right, no, no, it doesn't. The bond if the bonds go up in value because of oh, that's right, they're going to go down in value. Yeah. So the other yeah, side, the no other good. side, this is, this is, yeah, well, I you can see why. You want to take the other side? TBT is the other side. Uh, yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun. See, that's I'll a take double. The other side. It's a double, but yeah. Yeah, fine. I don't care. Just get wiped out quicker. Enter. Um, and let me just. Copy all this. All right. Control D. Control Z. Control V. Uh, that's a buy, 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 buy. You're buying the short. You're buying the short. I'm buying the short. All right. Uh, uh, Andrew 180. Uh, all right. All right. It looks like we're done for the evening, sir. All right. Well, talk again on... Uh Tuesday of right. next week. All right. Thanks. One of five shows for the month of May. I'm looking forward to it five times. Okay. Right, see ya. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, cause I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the icy stare because I got a dollar. My last dollar bill. Horowitz Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.